Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Liam McCollum Show. So there is a trend on TikTok of leftists reading Osama bin Laden's letters to America, specifically the 2002 letter uh, letter to America that was published in The Guardian. Um, and this prompted The Guardian to actually remove the full text from their website. I believe this was one of the only places that you could find it. Um, but if, if you are interested uh, you can buy Bruce Lawrence's Messages to the World, which is a compilation of, of statements of Osama bin Laden's. Um, and that really is a good segue to talk about why I'm recording this video, which is I think there are actually three legitimate and patriotic reasons to read Osama bin Laden's letter to America and all of his writings and all of his speeches. Um so I'm going to be showing you a clip from Ben Shapiro's podcast where he's reacting reacting to this trend. And then I'm going to show you a video of the 2008 GOP debates where Ron Paul also reacts to Osama bin Laden's letters and provides what he believes to be the proper um, uh, American foreign policy in response. Um, so and, and then after that, I'm going to read to you. Um, something I wrote about the three patriotic reasons I believe that Americans should know what Osama bin Laden was writing about. Um, so first, let's let's listen to Ben Shapiro react to um, this TikTok trend. And Hassan Obana, the founder of the Muslim Brotherhood, all rolled into one. Here are some of the reactions of young people reading bin Laden's letter for the first time. I need everyone to stop what they're doing right now and go read. It's literally two pages. Go read a letter to America. And please come back here and just let me know what you think, because I feel like I'm going through like an existential crisis right now. And a lot of people are. So I just need someone else to be feeling this too. And what exactly is that existential crisis? The existential crisis is that a lot of these people agree with bin Laden. Now, if you find yourself in large scale agreement with Osama bin Laden, one of the most evil people to ever live, you might want to pre-examine your own biases, but instead, people are starting to think that maybe bin Laden was good. Actually, bin Laden had some points. You're seeing a lot of this on TikTok. In fact, so much of this is happening on TikTok that The Guardian, the UK Guardian, which had the entire text of the letter posted, had to take it down from their website. Okay, yeah, let's stop there. So, first of all, he conflates the idea that Osama bin Laden had some points with the idea that you think Osama bin Laden was right or that you agree with Osama bin Laden. First of all, I, I don't think that it necessarily follows to say that. Um, but also, I don't believe it's the case. He, he did select this one video where it appears that um, this woman believes that Osama bin Laden was right. Uh, and he goes on to show some more that, that also appear to be um, very left-leaning people that are trying to somehow take a message about uh, colonization or just oppression. And they're trying to apply this, this leftist framework of oppressor versus uh, oppressed. Um, and I'm going to have some, some comments on that uh, later in this video as well. Just, just how we shouldn't adopt collectivist thinking in general and how Osama bin Laden actually does so himself. And that's, that's part of um, the problem and, and part of why we need to, to read his, messages to the world. Um, but, but that goes to say that it, it's not that everyone who is, is taking curiosity with 
Osama bin Laden's writings are doing so because they think he was right or are being uh, propagandized or, or whatever. It's, there are some out there who are just taking interest because this is the first time where they've actually been given the official story where, where they are for the first time hearing Osama bin Laden or, or uh, reading Osama bin Laden's real reasons for why he attacked the United States, because for the longest time we were told that it was because he hated our freedom. And, and we'll address that point here in a little bit in the video as well. But I first encountered uh, Osama bin Laden's writings and also an alternative vision uh, just of, or a different approach to the terror wars uh, when I discovered Ron Paul in two, th or it was much after 2008, but it was a, a video of Ron Paul from 2008 in the GOP debates, um, where he also is reacting to Osama bin Laden's um, messages. And this is what he said. I'm going to show you the video. This is what he said in response. And it woke up millions of Americans. Um, he proceeded to be the, uh, in, in 2012, when he ran again, he received more donations from veterans than Obama and all of his other Republican opponents combined. Um, veterans started following him for this reason because they're closest to foreign policy. And still to this day, uh, you, I think you see this trend that veterans tend to support people who are non-interventionist um, uh, like Trump. You know, Trump had some instincts uh he, he opposed the Iraq war and, and uh, while he was on the debate stage. And uh, I think that there's no coincidence that veterans um, uh, latched onto those issues. But here's this video of Ron Paul in the 2008 debates. The intervention was a major contributing factor. Have you ever read about the reasons they attacked us? They, they attack us because we've been over there. We've been bombing Iraq for 10 years. We've been in the Middle East. I think Reagan was right. We don't understand the irrationality of Middle Eastern politics. So right now we're building an embassy in Iraq that's bigger than the Vatican. We're building 14 permanent bases. What would we say here if China was doing this in our country or in the Gulf of Mexico? We would be objecting. We need to look at what we do from the perspective of what would happen if somebody else did it to us. Are you suggesting we invited the 9-11 attacks, sir? I'm, I'm suggesting that we listen to the people who attacked us and the reason they did it. And they are delighted that we're over there because Osama bin Laden has said, I am glad you're over on our sand because we can target you so much easier. They've already now, since that time, have killed 3,400 of our men, and I don't think it was necessary. Wendell, may I make a comment on that? That's really an extraordinary statement. It's an extraordinary statement as someone who lived through the attack of September 11 that we invited the attack because we were attacking Iraq. I don't think I've ever heard that before, and I've heard some pretty absurd explanations for September 11. the congressman to withdraw that comment and tell us that he didn't really mean that. Congressman? I believe very sincerely that the, that the CIA is correct when they teach and, and talk about blowback. When we went into uh, Iran in 1953 and installed the Shah, 
yes, there was blowback. Uh, the reaction to that was the taking of our hostages, and that persists. And if we ignore that, we ignore that at our own risk. That if we think that we can do what we want around the world and not incite hatred, then we, then we have a problem. They don't come here to attack us because we're rich and we're free. They come and they, and they attack us because we're over there. I mean, what would we think if we were... So as you can see with that video, um, there is a way to read Osama bin Laden's writings without agreeing with him, unlike Ben Shapiro would suggest. So um, I just wanted to show you that video to give you some insight as to where I'm coming from. And now I'm going to read to you uh, the three reasons I believe, the three legitimate reasons and uh, three patriotic reasons I believe Americans should be familiar with Osama bin Laden's messages to the world. Uh, the, the first reason for, for doing so is, is to understand his perverted logic so that we do not repeat the same logical errors when dealing with our enemies. And, and the second reason is to understand his followers' motivations so we do not inadvertently fuel their passions or provoke more terrorist attacks, um, like more blowback, as as Ron Paul alluded to. And and the third reason is to understand his followers' goals, so do we so we do not feed into them and give them what they want. So as as for the first one, the logical errors. The primary reason for reading specifically Osama bin Laden's 2002 letter to America. Is, is again, not to suggest he was right, but rather to understand his perverted logic in defending specifically collective punishment. Most of his letter is a justification for killing innocent people. Um, for example, bin Laden justifies the killing of American citizens in his letter to America this way. Um, quoting him, he says, the American people are the ones who pay the taxes which fund the planes that bomb us in Afghanistan. The tanks that strike and destroy our homes in Palestine, the armies which occupy our lands in the Arabian Gulf, and the fleets which ensure the blockade of Iraq. The American people are the ones who choose their government by way of their own free will, a choice which stems from their agreement to its policies. Thus, the American people have chosen, consented to, and affirmed their support for the Israeli oppression of the Palestinians, the occupation and usurpation of their land, and its continuous killing, torture, punishment, and expulsion of the Palestinians. The American people have the ability and choice to refuse the policies of their government and even to change it if they want. Now, effectively, Osama bin Laden's argument is, is that American people can and should be held morally, criminally, and extrajudicially responsible for all of the government's actions and, and their alleged crimes. Um, his logic, I think, would be akin to saying, like, if, if President Biden commits some crime uh, through through government force and, and commits violence against Bob, it would then be just for Bob to kill Tom, who, who voted for Biden as a proxy in place of Biden himself. Um, and, and actually, I think Osama bin Laden goes a little further than this. He says it, it's, it's a lot worse. He says it's it, it's closer to this. Even if Tom didn't vote for Biden, but Tom voted for his opponent, he would still be responsible. Or worse, let's say 
Tom did not vote at all. And, and this is a very important fact considering voter turnout in the United States. Um, like less than 50% of Americans vote in each presidential election. And, and it's a lot less than 50%. And then you got to consider that like 50% of that voted for one party and on and on. Um, so, so let's say Tom didn't vote for anyone at all. But Biden implements a high tax rate that Tom is forced to pay to the government. And then the government uses that money to commit violence against Bob. Still, it is believed under this idea that Tom can be killed as a proxy in place of Biden for Biden's actions here. And of course, this is ridiculous. I think anyone, any reasonable any reasonable person would would believe that this is uh, ridiculous, but but this is the same logic that the United States has often used in military conflicts. Uh, during the war in Iraq, for instance, uh, a senior Air Force official said the following: "The definition of innocence gets to be a little bit unclear. They do live there, and ultimately, the people have some control over what goes on in their country." Now, after shutting off Iraqi electricity, an anonymous Air Force planner said this, big picture, we wanted to let people know, get rid of this guy and we'll be more than happy to assist in rebuilding. We're not going to tolerate Saddam Hussein or his regime. Fix that and we will fix your electricity. And then a lieutenant general who had overall command of the air campaign um, the bombing campaign said that the side benefit of the campaign was the psychological effect on ordinary Iraqi citizens of having their lights go out. And today, many American officials have have justified the killing of innocents in Gaza, despite the fact that half of the country is made up of children and there has not been an election since 2005. Um, now, I know that there are other justifications that are uh, um, like the fact that Hamas hides behind uh, civilians. Um, but I'm, I'm specifically talking about this claim, uh, that Amer that, that the people are responsible because they voted for them or that they live in the area or, or something like that. Uh, similar logic was used in the war in Ukraine. Vladimir Zelensky used this logic towards Russians. Uh, he said, whichever kind of Russian make them go to Russia, they'll understand then They'll say, this war has nothing to do with us. The whole population can't be held responsible, can it? It can. The population picked this government and they're not fighting it, not arguing with it, not shouting at it. Don't you want this isolation? You're telling the whole world that it must live by your rules. Then go and live there. This is the only way to influence Putin. So here we're seeing that because the people aren't protesting because they live in this country because they haven't overthrown the government. They are responsible for their government's actions. And many of you might know that I love Lysander Spooner. I've done podcasts on Lysander Spooner in the past where he, he talks about the problems uh, with this idea of um, the social contract whereby everyone has consented to the government. Um, and, and he, he goes through the voter turnout of the time. And he, this was written during this, uh, civil war era. And he says, it's clear most Americans, you know, cannot be said to have been, or cannot be said to be responsible for government's actions because, um, and, and he was an abolitionist. He was writing against slavery because the American people did not vote for this. They, they did not sign a, a contract 
um, or whatever. Uh, so, so I don't think we should adopt this collectivist worldview. Um, instead, we, we should recognize that in war, it is, it is individual policymakers, individual war planners, um, politicians, individual soldiers, or, or individual combatants who commit crimes against individual victims. Um, and, and those individual aggressors are responsible for their actions, not entire peoples, classes, or, or racists, races like the leftists um, that I talked about before. Uh, they, they get trapped in, in, in this thinking of uh, oppressed versus oppressor, that, that um, uh, they, they look at foreign policy through the lens of uh, this oppressed versus oppressor uh, distinction. It's, it's a collectivist framework. And as a result, they, they believe that the entire country is made up of oppressed people. Um, and the colonizers are all oppressors. And it's just, a it's, uh, you know, um, it's a broad brush. It, it paints everyone, uh, in, into these camps. And I think we should not adopt this collectivist thinking. Instead, we should use this methodological individualism that I've, I've described to identify individual aggressors and victims and then denounce all collectivist punishment. Um, the, the second reason that I think, uh, the second legitimate reason to read Bin Laden's writings and speeches is to understand his motives so that we do not step into a trap where we inadvertently provoke more hatred feel our enemies' passions and create a rally around the flag effect by refusing to consider why they are attacking us. As Sun Tzu said in, in The Art of War, if you know yourself but not the enemy, for every victory gained, you will also suffer a defeat. Um, you know, this, this has been described as, the way I interpret this at least, this has been described as like um, uh, terrorism math, right? Or war math. Every time you bomb a wedding, you recruit how many more terrorists, right? If you don't understand your enemy, uh, for every victory gained, for every bombed wedding, for every, um, you know, bombed civilian, you, you've created another, uh, for every victory gained, you will also suffer a defeat. Um, and, and Sun Tzu continues, if you know neither the enemy nor yourself, you will succumb in every battle. So this is really from a point of patriotism, of of uh, of wise policy, of wise policy making. So after 9-11, it, it was very common for people to say, and and most famously for the president of the United States to say, and, and many people still probably believe this, that the reason Osama bin Laden attacked the United States was, uh, was that he hated us for our freedom and because Islam is opposed to freedom in general or, or something like that. But Osama bin Laden addressed this, spe this specifically in a speech in 2004. He says, if so, then let President Bush explain to us why we don't strike, for example, Sweden, which has relative freedom in, in Europe. And, and in the now trending 2002 letter to America, Osama bin Laden seeks to provide an answer for why he is attacking the US and, and he provides more than 15 grievances. But in sum, he says, the answer is very simple because you attacked us and continue to attack us. And, and now before continuing, remember, he is committing a collective fallacy here again in saying you attacked us. As we learned above, according to him, you means the politicians behind the policy he is about to detail 
um, that I'm about to get get into, as well as those innocent people that he attacked in the Twin Towers. And and while reading some of the following grievances, just ask yourself if if you believe you did any of these things, or even knew about these claims in the first place. Um, here here are just a few of the grievances grievances he lists. Under your supervision, consent, and orders, the governments of our countries, which act as our agents, attack act as your agents, attack us on a daily basis. He continues, you steal our wealth and oil at paltry prices because of you international, your international influence and military threats. This theft is indeed the biggest theft ever witnessed by mankind in the history of the world. You have starved the millions or the Muslims of Iraq where children die every day. It is a wonder that more than 1.5 million Iraqi children have died as a result of your sanctions, and you did not show concern, yet when 3,000 of your people died, the entire world rises and has not yet sat down. And, you know, this is me speaking, that, that this reminds me of uh, the Madeleine Albright video, that the, the famous, the, the infamous Madeleine Albright video, where she's asked on 60 Minutes whether she thinks the price is worth it in Iraq. Um, and, and the person the person interviewing her says 1.5 million Iraqis, Iraqi children have died as a result of these sanctions. Uh, do you think the price is worth it? Worth it? And she, she says, yes. Um, again, this, you know, collectivist thinking, um, uh, I'm continuing with Osama bin Laden's quotes. He says, it brings us both laughter and tears to see that you have not yet tired of repeating your fabricated lies that the Jews have a historical right to Palestine as it was promised to them in the Torah. Anyone who disputes with them on this alleged fact is accused of anti-Semitism. This is one of the most fallacious, widely circulated fabrications in history. And again, you do not have to agree with anything he says to, to find the value in, in reading these things, um, to, in understanding where he's coming from. And, and I think it's also important here to recognize that like um, there have been a lot of critiques about the is, Israel response to the Gaza invasion on October 7th. And uh, there's, there's been a lot of critiques of the United States policy and, and anyone who has brought up uh, questions about, you know, how this invasion was allowed to happen um, or how the invasion occurred being that Israel is one of the most protected nations on earth, the like most advanced intelligence agencies and things like that. Like simple questions like that have been denoted as anti-Semitic. So I'm just calling here for just reason for us to, to look at this um, with nuance, to not call people names, um, to, to say, to not say that if, if we're reading the statements of Osama bin Laden, that, that somehow that means we're supportive of Osama bin Laden rather than just trying to seek a uh, true understanding and, and learn about history and um, learn from it. Um. So yeah, just just keep that in mind as, as we keep going. But he continues, you attacked Australia. You supported the Russian atrocities against us in Chechnya, the Indian oppression against us in Kashmir, and the Jewish aggression against us in Lebanon. He says, your policy on prohibiting and forcibly removing weapons of mass destruction to ensure world peace, it only applies to those countries which you do not permit to possess such weapons. We also advise you to pack your luggage and get out of our lands. We desire for your goodness, guidance, and righteous, righteousness. So do not force us to send you back as cargo in coffins. 
And then finally, the last example I include is we call upon you to end your support of the corrupt leaders in our countries. Do not interfere in our politics and method of education. Leave us alone or else expect us in New York and Washington. Now, I, I think we really owe it to ourselves and especially, especially the brave men and women that we send over to fight wars uh, overseas to reflect on whether our commitments overseas actually provoke, create, and encourage the threats abroad. Um, that, that is the main lesson that, that I want you to take away from this reason why I think we should read um, uh, the legitimate reasons why we should read his messages to the world. We also owe it to ourselves to recognize that history did not begin on 9-11 and that it serves us to understand the grievances of the people attacking us and just really like take it to heart that like Americans aren't really educated on world history. You know, it's, it's, everyone in the world is very aware of American politics. When Donald Trump got elected, that was a massive thing internationally. Uh, the idea of Hillary Clinton being elected was, was uh, massive news on the national stage, but, but Americans aren't very aware of like the differences between the Taliban and Al Qaeda and, um, you know, Iran, like they, they don't know about Iranian history, how the United States was involved in 1953 to get rid of um, Mossadegh, uh, the democratic elected leader there at the time, which then led to uh, the 1979 revolution because the, the um, anti-US sentiment in the country, the, the Muslims in the country were able to take advantage of that um, and, and just point to, the United States as being evil. Had that not happened, this, you know, Iran would probably still be a secular state, uh, uh, one that was that was increasingly becoming friendly to the to the United States. So it's just, you know, what what I want you to take away from this this is just like a respect for history and that that like some humility in that Americans don't know much about uh, what what occurs around the globe. Um, and, and again, that it serves us to understand the grievances that the people of the people attacking us now, now, finally, the, the third reason I think Americans should read, um, Osama bin Laden's letters to the world, uh, and letter to America is probably the most important reason. Um, it's to understand what his intentions were in attacking the United States. What were his goals? Did Osama bin Laden really believe, for instance, that he was going to defeat the American government by attacking the Twin Towers? Um, did Osama bin Laden believe that he was going to get the American government to surrender in any way or the American people to overthrow the government immediately? Or is it is it possible that the United States gave him exactly what he intended in its response? Well, in 2004, Osama bin Laden articulated the purpose of his attacks. In a speech, he said, we are continuing this policy in bleeding America to the point of bankruptcy. We, alongside the Mujahideen, bled Russia for 10 years until it went bankrupt and was forced to withdraw and defeat. Here, we can see that Osama bin Laden adopted the exact same thinking and strategy that the Carter and Reagan administration administrations used in funding the Mujahideen in the Soviet-Afghan war. Um, which was to provoke an overreaction and get the enemy bogged down in a war until they bankrupted themselves. And it worked, you know, <laughs> it wasn't shortly after 
that, uh, or it was shortly after that, that Reagan was calling for Gorbachev to tear down the wall. Um, so yeah, like, like here clearly Osama bin Laden is, is, is kind of trying to get Americans to think that like, we're, we're using the same strategy. Um, and then Osama bin Laden continues all, all that we have to do is raise a piece of cloth in order to make generals race there to cause America to suffer human economic and political losses without their achieving anything of note other than some benefits for their private corporations. As for the economic deficit in the U S it has reached record astronomical numbers estimated to total more than a trillion dollars. And it all shows that the real loser is you. It is the American people and their economy. So the war went ahead the death toll rose, the American economy bled, and Bush became embroiled in the swamps of Iraq that threatened his future. And interestingly, Osama bin Laden's son, Omar bin Laden, confirmed the same intentions in a Rolling Stone interview in 2010, because these intentions were contested. Like some people thought that at least at during 9-11, he had other intentions. And then later, um, these became his intentions while, while the war on terror was going on. But, uh, Omar says, my father's dream was to bring the Americans to Afghanistan. He would do the same thing he did to the Russians. I was surprised the Americans took the bait. They have spent hundreds of billions better for America to keep the money for its economy. I was still in Afghanistan when Bush was elected. My father was so happy. This is the kind of president he needs one who will attack and spend money and break the country. I'm sure my father wanted McCain more than Obama. McCain has the same mentality as Bush. And unbeknownst to Omar, Obama had the same mentality as McCain. Um, but clearly what we're, what we're learning here is, is that getting the U.S. bogged down in Afghanistan was Osama bin Laden's goal. Uh, it was his plan. And, and drawing Americans closer to Al-Qaeda so they can more easily kill our, our soldiers was part of his plan. Um, and bankrupting the United States like we helped do to the Soviets was was part of the plan. And we should not have played his game. We, we shouldn't have. After, after 30 years of endless wars in the Middle East, the U.S. debt sits at $33 trillion. It's more than $33 trillion now. And, and what was gained? What can be said for it? Uh, 45, 4.5 million people killed in the entire war on terror. American societal and moral degradation, inflation, the risk of currency collapse. I mean, all of these are serious concerns. And uh, there's also BRICS and and the international movement away from the dollar due to the United States sanctions on Russia. Um, so perhaps we are playing into our enemy's hands when we engage in, in foreign adventurism overseas. Perhaps we, we should never have gone abroad in, in search of monsters to destroy. And, and, and perhaps we, we should bring our troops home. Perhaps that, that is the solution here. Um, you know, we, what, what have we seen? We've seen after nine 11, we saw Bush go into Afghanistan. Uh, and instead of, um, prosecuting Osama bin Laden. You know, another interesting point is Ron Paul after 9-11. I think it was just two days after 9-11. He suggested that instead of just a broad AUMF, Congress should have passed or appealed to the letters of mark and reprisal clause of the Constitution and hired people to actually um, 
target Osama bin Laden and the people who who were responsible for 9-11, narrow the scope of the AUMF and narrow the scope of the, the terrorist wars to the people responsible. Um, and he foresaw that that a broad like blank check to Bush would would lead to um, endless wars uh, and and that it would br- bankrupt us. Um, it's one of my favorite uh, little known speeches from Ron Paul. I've I've uh, I've posted it on Twitter for anyone who's interested. Go to my Twitter account and just uh, in the search bar type "mark and reprisal" um, uh, and, and you should find it. Or if or if you type in Ron Paul, you should find it. Um, but, but what happened, right? Um, after 9-11, Bush went into Afghanistan and instead of going after Al-Qaeda, Bush proceeded to have a regime change operation against the Taliban while Al-Qaeda was fleeing into Pakistan. We had surrounded them in around Tora Bora and instead of, um, allowing Mullah Omar, the president of Afghanistan at the time to hand over Osama bin Laden, which he, which he offered to do multiple times. Um, instead of that, we started bombing the Taliban. Um, and, and we we started a 20 year war in that country, uh, to replace the Taliban with the Taliban. And then after that, Bush went into Iraq and he toppled the government in Saddam or uh, Saddam Hussein's government. And after that, like when, when Obama got involved, or when Obama was elected, we we had how many more wars? We had a war in Syria to depose Assad's government. Uh, the absolute destruction we've seen there that is also a tripwire that could lead to World War III with Russia, since Russia's interests are involved there, and since Iran's interests are involved there, and since Israel's interests are involved there. And then Obama also escalated the, the bombings in Iraq, um, helped... Uh, lay the groundwork and, and even funded a lot of the, the rebels, the moderate rebels that, that ended up becoming uh, ISIS. And then there was also uh, Hillary Clinton's war in Libya, um, where they toppled the government of Gaddafi. Uh, they, they killed Gaddafi. And now there are slave markets in Libya. Um, and that part of Africa is absolutely destroyed as a result. Uh, and then, of course, the Obama government also um, backed Saudi Arabia in their war in Yemen, where uh, thousands of children, uh, I think millions at this point, were like the UN called it uh, the most, I think they called it the biggest humanitarian crisis in the world years ago, uh, where where the, these children are dying just as a result of, of lack of clean water. I've talked to Scott Horton about this on my podcast before. Um, because U.S. bombs or or uh, Saudi jets that were fueled with U.S. money um, bombed the infrastructure that um, that basically destroyed the the ability for Yemenis to have any clean water. Right, um, led them to have cholera and and all of these other diseases, and it's just absolutely devastating. Um, and, and for what? All of all of this Middle Eastern policy has been for what? I mean, if you look around us in the United States, if you go to a major city in the United States, you can see the devastation, the, the absolute societal rot, the moral rot in society, the lack of unity in society, um, the overall 
devaluation of, of society and along with our currency. And it was all to fund a 30 year campaign in the Middle East. Um, and here we are on the precipice of, of two new major conflicts. Um, there, Lindsey Graham is calling for war in Iran. Um, Nikki Haley, who who appears to be um, the establishment pick for the GOP, clearly wants to take out Iran. Uh, DeSantis does too. Um, we we learned from one of Donald Trump's cases uh, that he one of the trials that um, some I think this was the uh, uh, leaked documents case. Yeah, the the leaked documents case that Pompeo had provided him. Um, uh, what are they called? Plans, contingency plans to take out the Iranian government. Um, so like we, we are on the precipice of, of two major conflicts. Again, the, the other conflict is with uh, Russia in, in Ukraine. It appears to be dying out, but you know, anything could happen. Uh, Ukraine could get extra belligerent and, and desperate uh, and, and this war could escalate. And there are clear connections between uh, the Iranian conflict and um, the the Russian conflict too. I, I think that as we saw in World War II, the geopolitical interests of of Iran um, are such that if if there was an escalation in Syria, if if Syria because it's a tripwire ended up causing a, a larger conflict, um, you would see uh, involvement in Iran from multiple world powers, uh, you know, Russia invaded, uh, Iran in, in world war two. So <laughs> I'm just saying that we, we gotta be careful and we gotta take these lessons, I think, um, at heart. And I think, I think this is the patriotic response. It is, it is the response that believes that America should be a shining city on a hill, uh, that we, we should, we should lead by example. We should, we should embrace, um, free markets, uh, and diplomacy. And like Jefferson and Madison and John Adams suggested, we, we should not, uh, be going abroad in search of monsters to slay. We, we should lead by example and stay true to the principles that we claim to hold. And, and we should be well-versed in Osama bin Laden's thinking and worldview so that we can counter it, respond to it properly and, and learn from history. Um, so with that, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, share it on whatever platform you're on. I'm, I'm, I'm a lot, I'm on Twitter. I'm on X all the time. Um, that's where I'm going to be promoting a lot of my stuff. So if you follow me, follow me at, um, M Liam McCollum on Twitter, uh, at M Liam McCollum, and then subscribe to me on YouTube. Also make sure to check out my interview with Joseph Salas Mullen that I recorded and released earlier this week where we discuss his new book, The Fake China Threat and Its Very Real Danger, where we talk about the potential conflict with China. You know, there are articles in, I believe it was NBC News that said, uh, generals are saying we could be at war with China by 2025. And there's incessant um, uh, warmongering about China. Uh, I'm, China appears to be the next big threat. That's that's what um, many would want us to believe. And uh, Joseph addresses all of the the mainstream talking points um, about China in, in his book. All everything that you could come up with, he he addresses in that book, and I think it's extremely important. I've read it; highly recommend that you you check out that interview. 
and also buy his book at libertarianinstitute.org. But thank you so much um, for watching this. Uh, give it a like and remember to subscribe, uh, take clips of it, share it on social media, but we'll, we'll see you on the next show.